Thank you so much. This great music. And uh, I was sharing earlier, a lot of folks don't know this, but Brother Aaron gets through. Uh, he, he follows me. He goes to Mason Creek, leads music over there, and then comes back over here after he's done it at 8.15. So he has a full load, too, and does a marvelous job. This choir, orchestra, everybody had a part. God bless you. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Thank you for being here this morning on this beautiful day. I prayed this morning, Lord, may the waters in the lake turn sour. And uh, so I think some of y'all have found that out. I praise the Lord. I'm glad you chose God over the lake this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We looked at uh, this last uh, time. That was two weeks ago. The first part of chapter 4. And uh, we remembered those words, we faint not, uh, because we've received a ministry and we've received mercy, we faint not. 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 17, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us uh, for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be uh, beside ourselves it is to God or whether we be sober it is for your cause Father thank you again for allowing us to come thank you for the precious music let us to the very throne of heaven I pray now that your Holy Spirit would continue to move in this place Lord don't let a soul leave here that doesn't know you may every person that came into this place today unsure of their relationship or knowing that they didn't have a relationship God today move on their hearts may the Holy Spirit of God be so strong that Lord they cannot refuse what you have already provided them in salvation bless this service may every soul be touched 
and needs be met exactly where we are today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We looked a couple of weeks ago, as I mentioned, and the three words we uh, centered on upon was, we faint not. I don't know if you've discovered it or not, but it is much easier to say, we faint not, than it is to actually not faint. It becomes very difficult to, to not faint. There are many people that you know, I know, that made this same commitment. We're not going to faint. We're going to go on with Jesus. And today they fainted. Today they're not here. And there'll be some, even in this crowd today, who will say, you can count on me. I'm not going to faint. But if you're not very careful, you're going to find the cares of this world and the mastermind of the devil himself, and you'll end up fainting, doing the very same thing you said you were not going to do. I don't want to faint. I don't want to ease up. I don't want to back up. I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to stay still. I don't want to grow lukewarm. I don't want to be in a church that wants to be lukewarm. I don't want to be in a church that wants to stay still or, or, or back up. Or uh, I think these are the days where we need to draw closer to God than we've ever been before. I was listening to the service last week, and uh, I thought, my soul, somebody ought to be shouting. And I didn't hear, of course, on the, I may not, you, you may have been shouting and I didn't know it. But you were singing, draw me nearer and nearer, blessed Lord to thee. I thought, Lord, have mercy. Wow. Man, may that be our prayer, to draw closer to God than we've ever been before, to, to reach more people with evangelism and, and salvation than we've ever reached before, to, to do more missions than we've ever done before. We faint not. Our goal as a church for the last 18 years, our motto has been preparing people for the coming Lord. Could I tell you this morning, if you're here without Christ, you're not prepared to meet the Lord. Could I tell you this morning, if you're here and you're saved, but you've got unforgiveness in your heart, you're not prepared to meet the Lord. Whatever God needs to do with you today, I pray he'll have that freedom. Uh, some may need a discipleship. Some may need encouragement. Some may need the joy restored. We faint not with all the troubles that are going around us and the persecution. It was happening here, and it was bearing about in their body the dying of the Lord, and they were perplexed, the Bible says. They were cast down. They were going through times just like we're going through times. But I'll tell you this morning, based on what I'm seeing and experiencing, you may have something totally different. But from what I'm seeing from my point of view, the devil is busy. He is busy. He is in homes. He's in marriages, churches, minds, physical, mental, emotional, children. He casts fear, heartache. And I, I know the devil's always been busy. He started out busy. He got one-third of the angels to try to overthrow God, and he got thrown out of heaven because of that. I know he's always been busy, but it just seems like the devil knows that, hey, my time's short. i got to be busy because he's doing everything he can to destroy families and churches. Even our Christian Judeo life as we know it is vastly coming to an end, even here in America. Seems like Many are fainting. Many are throwing in the towel. Many are just saying it's too hard. 
is too troublesome. It's too difficult. Preacher, I want to live for Christ. Preacher, I want to serve the Lord, but there's just too much pressure. And my kids are, are on me, and, and my family's on me, and, and it's too difficult to go against the culture, and it's becoming harder and harder to live the Christian life. He writes to the church at Corinth, a church that knew God. I believe with all my heart this church knows God. He writes to the church at Corinth, a church that had experienced God. We've been blessed to experience the relationship of our Lord. He, he writes to a church that knew the grace of God. My, my, my. How many in this place today, if it were not for the grace of God, you'd be on your road to destruction? But God's grace. He wrote to a church that received the word of God. And you've received the word of God. I have it told to me, uh, various, you know, it, it happens all the time. Not every week, thank goodness, but it happens very regularly. That people would just say, that's not the kind of church I want. I, I, I want a smoother church. I want, you know, a church that accepts everybody. Well, my goodness, I don't know of anybody we've thrown out. But the problem is, if you don't want to live the truth, it's hard to sit under the truth. Yet these people who knew God, experienced God, knew the grace of God, received the word of God, they were perplexed, they were knocked down, they were depressed. They knew what it was like to be alone and destitute. They knew what it was like to suffer. And then Paul comes in here in the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians, and he says, for our light affections, afflictions, our light affliction. Wait a minute, Paul. I thought you understood us. I thought you knew we were going through tough times and it's been difficult and it's been hard and now you're talking about everything we've gone through is just light afflictions? I mean, it almost seems like he, he doesn't care. He's uncaring. But then he goes on in verse 18 and he said, while we look at the things which are seen, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, the things that we're looking at now, all these fine clothes and these nice buildings and, and cars and the homes that we go to and, and all of the jewelry we got on my soul, we could pay for a new building if y'all just turned in the jewelry this morning. <laughs> it's all going to disappear. It's all temporal going to pass away it's going to pass away you're not carrying any of it with you Paul is saying I'm not going to get caught up in this here and now I'm not going to get caught up in the, the circumstances and the things you know why I'm not going to get caught up because it's not going to last forever for those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ that's why we bow our knees there is so much more to life than there is here on this earth this is just the getting on place I'm telling you, God's got a bigger scene. He's got a better life. It's not now, and that's the theme today. That's the challenge of the message today, that we think eternally. We keep our eyes on Jesus. Not, not, not thinking today. Don't think on the money you don't have. Don't think on the friends that have turned their back on you. Don't think on the body that's breaking down. The circumstances that weary you, yeah, they're, 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 they're real. 
And yeah, they're heartbroken. And yeah, we moan and we groan. Hey, I understand all that. I'm in the same boat with that. But listen, it's not always going to be like that. One of these days, we're getting out of this place. We're getting a new body. We're going to be in the presence of the Lord. We've got a Lord who went to battle for us. Persecuted. Mocked. Crown of thorns. Hung on a cross. Put in a bar of tomb. But he walked out. Woo, I like that song. He walked out. And he rose again. He ascended into heaven. And he's coming back. He conquered sin. And let me tell you, he conquered the grave. And because he was a conqueror, you and I can be conquerors also. Now let me get to the message. That's the introduction. Let me give you these four things here real quickly, okay? Usually I just have three, but there's four today, but they're short. They're real short. I, it's hard to preach after Brother Case has preached. I know y'all got out at 10 minutes to 12 last week. I know that. But don't expect that this week. All right? Good deal. No. <laughs> Number one, if I'm going to think of eternity, I'm going to have to adjust my lifestyle view. My view. You say, preacher, what is your view about life? Well, number one, I'm living in a tent. This old body I got ain't permanent. It's a tent. It's temporary. It's an earthly body. And I want to tell you, the tent is wearing down. The, the aches and the pains. And when you get up in the morning, you're going to ache and pain. We're at the age now, some of us, where if it don't ache and pain, that means it's broke. So we thank God when it aches and pains. Our body gets older and our, our body gets weaker and we become less sharp. Our memory's not as good. Our, our limbs don't move as fast as they should. We think we can do things we used to do. I was mowing the yard yesterday and I got too close to the edge where it drops off. and I was sitting there like this with a mower up in the air, catawampus. And I kept trying to weight it down, you know, and I thought, you know, the best thing I'd do is before it turns over is just kill it. And then, uh, and then I was going to pick it up, and it was too hot, so I went and sat on the porch and had a glass of water. And uh, this nice young man uh, came by. I don't know if he's here this morning or not, but nice young man came by in a Jeep. I saw him come by. I didn't wave or anything. He turned around and came back, and he said, do you, do you need some help? And I said, yeah, if you could... Help me before my wife knows that I've done this. <laughs> It'd be a great blessing. And he said, I believe we can pick it up. Well, we couldn't pick it up. But he had a Jeep and he had a chain and he pulled me out and everything and we, we had a great time together. And then I sat down on that porch, you know, just to relax a minute, moment later. And I thought, you know, there's a sermon illustration in that. I was living too close to the edge. We used to sing an old song in the gospel called Drifting Too Far From the Shore. You're drifting too far from the shore. You see, there's some folk in this place today, you're living right on that edge. You're, you're doing just the least amount you can to make God at least be pleased with you. You're going to get to heaven, but you're not going to be in the line on the right. You're going to be in the smoking line on the left. You're going to be saved just as by fire. Listen, don't live that close to the edge. Go to Jesus. I, I, I'm living in a tent. 
you got to think eternal. This earthly body is going to pass away, and we're going to get a new body. It's an eternal building, not made with hands. That's why today when you get a cold, don't worry about that cold because there's not going to be no colds if you think in eternity. There's not going to be any colds in heaven. You got cancer this morning? Hey, think eternity. There's not going to be no cancer in heaven. You got high blood pressure? You've been watching the news? Hey, not going to be no news in heaven. Yeah, glory, hallelujah. Yeah, no, no surgical procedures, no, no doctor bills. Man, don't you know you feel so good when you finally paid that last doctor bill and here comes a bill you don't even know who the jack leg is. He just sent you a bill. And then God help you if you've ever had to deal with the insurance on the phone. Think eternity. No insurance in heaven. Mm. things go wrong I do wrong Paul said oh wretched man that I am but one day I'm out of here this body we're living in is just a tent it's temporary but then secondly my lifestyle he's given us the Holy Spirit verse 5 there of chapter 5 says now he that hath wrought us for the self same thing is God who also had given unto us the earnest of the spirit the earnest of the Spirit. Down here in this old broken up house, God doesn't leave us alone. He's never forsaken us. You, you say, preacher, my shingles are leaking and the walls need painting and the, 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 the trim needs to be replaced and the toilets are stopping up and the furniture's old and the light bulbs are going out. But in that old house that's breaking down, the Holy Ghost of God lives in here. He lives in each one of you if you've been saved. You say, well, my house is breaking down. He hadn't left you. He's still living inside of you. Verse 5 talks about the earnest payment. That's a down payment. If you make a down payment on a car, you give them earnest money. You make a down payment on a home, you give them earnest money. That means you're going to come back and make the other payment. You're going to come back. Well, glory. Have you thought that one of these days Jesus is going to come back? He's given us the Holy Spirit as an earnest And then he said, I'm confident in this. Whether I'm in this body, I'm absent with the Lord, or when I'm out of this body, I'm going to be in the presence of God. You think of all your loved ones who have gone on to be with the Lord. All of them. There is no one in heaven. Now, I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to be unsympathetic. We moan, we groan, we mourn. We, we miss folks. It's hard to get over. It's hard. It's difficult. But I could just assure you there's nobody that's gone to heaven that wants to come back down here. And it's not because they don't love you. It's not because they don't appreciate all that's going on. It's that they've, I've told you many times before, if there's one man when we get to heaven that has every right to be ticked off and hacked off, it is Lazarus. Four days he was in the presence of the Lord. Somebody tapped him on the shoulder and said, Your sister's down there. Those sisters want you back. And he had to come all the way back down to earth. And you know what happened to him? He died again. That's what happened to him. Yeah. This world is wicked. 
we're, we're calling evil good and we're calling good evil and the trends and the fads and the paradigm shifts they're moving farther and farther and farther to the left and terrorism and isolationism racism crime homosexuality and all of the child of God falls under all these pressures and we say look I can't do it and Paul said yes you can you think on eternity and you can do it we're created more than conquerors in this world we're not here to get by we're to be conquerors secondly is my work my striving work living viewpoint of life and my striving work uh, Paul said hey whether I'm in this body or not in this body I'm gonna serve God you see when you think of eternity let me tell you what it'll make you do it'll make you live right today when you start thinking about eternity it'll make you live right right now today this day determines what happens that day that day is going to be the judgment seat of Christ and what you do here on this day determines what God does to you on that day hmm Paul says I labor I'm ambitious I work at it if, if, if God thought enough of us to save us to go to Calvary and die on a cross for us don't you think we at least ought to do something for him don't you think we could baptize more than one or two people a month or something don't you think we could reach out and help more families because of what God has done for us even in America man he has put us in a land of plenty we we just left Macedonia and man the food was outstanding the the people were so gracious and but but listen they're, they're averaging $200 a month that's their salaries and gasoline's higher there than it is here but they living on cucumbers and tomatoes and I'll tell you they better than anything we've got here I, I'm just telling you it's good I labor Paul said I work hard we've got a lazy Christianity mentality today what's the least amount I can do to get by with it well, we work hard for Caesar because Caesar pays us in cash and then at times to do something for Jesus well, we're going to have to chill out. My family's tired. Everybody's tired. We just wore out. Well, you ain't been wore out doing anything for God. I guess I shouldn't have said that, okay? Then Paul said, I'm not only a laborer, but I've got a motivation. Look, look at verse 9. It says, wherefore we labor. Hmm. <laughs> That whether present or absent, here's the deal, we may be accepted of him. Hmm. What do you do in the Christian life when you're wore out and you don't want to do nothing? You do what pleases God. Read your Bible. You say, preacher, I don't feel like reading my Bible. I didn't ask you if you felt like reading your Bible. Our, our, my brothers here today we've heard our mama say a thousand times you won't feel no worse at church than you do at home get up <laughs> I don't know how many times I've heard that same thing you don't feel no worse at church pray I don't feel like praying 
it pleases God. Do what pleases God. Come to church. Well, I don't feel like being around people. Well, it pleases God that you come. According to Hebrews, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together in the manner of some. So much as we see the day approaching. Tithe. Whoo! We're talking money now. Why do I have to tithe? Because it pleases God. The whole deal here is that whether we labor present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. Love your enemies. You don't know what they did to me. They used to be my friends, but now they're my enemies. You love them anyway because it pleases God. You do what pleases God when you think of eternity. When you're trying to finagle and you're trying to do worldly things here, your eyes are set on temporary things. And it's all going to pass away. And then you don't do what displeases him. (laughs) I mean, if it would displease God for you to go somewhere, then don't go. If it would displease God for you to wear something, then don't wear it. Oh, me can go in there if amen don't. Let me give you this third thing. In my future, I've got a day that I've got to face. But not me, just me. The Bible says all. All. Last time I looked, A-L-L meant all. You see, a Christian looks today... You see, preacher, what does a Christian look like today? A Christian looks like today like he understands there's going to be a judgment day in the future. That's how we live our life, knowing that there's going to come a judgment day. Uh, You can have a doctor's appointment, and you can change that appointment. I've had dentist appointments now for seven or eight years, and I reschedule them every year. I hate going to the dentist. If you're a dentist here, I'm sorry. <laughs> if, if you use gas, I'll come to you. But other than that, I ain't coming. You can reschedule all of those things. But let me, listen to me. When that day comes, you're not going to be able to reschedule it. When that day comes, everything's over. You've done all you can do. There's nothing else you can do. It's not just preachers. The Bible says we must all appear. Teachers, mamas, daddies, we're going to face God. Well, what's going to happen when we face God? God's going to check us out. He's going to check us out. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that we're saved by grace, not, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, I can't do anything for my sin because Christ alone paid the price for my sin. Anything I tried to do for my sin is as filthy rags. It won't work. Christ has already paid for it, bought and paid for it. Well, then what are we doing on this judgment seat? Well, the Bible says that he's going to determine at his judgment seat whether my works were good or whether my works were bad. Hmm. You better be thinking about eternity. You better see you can't do anything about your sin, but you can do something about your works. Uh, brother so and so said, I did a good job. Well, that's fine, but brother so and so may be off into left field himself. 
I mean, now I don't mean this against the choir because it wouldn't happen to our bunch. We sit here and we look and choir and orchestra and we say, wow, man, they've got voices. And God looks at them and says, they didn't mean it. They sang the words, but they didn't mean it. Mm. You see, I think on that day, <laughs> we're going to find out that a lot of things we've said we're doing for God, we're just doing them for ourselves. And God's going to separate it. I mean, what we're doing today, listen, if you're not doing it for the glory of God, just well as not do it. Except tithing. Go ahead and tithe anyway. <laughs> As a pastor, I'm going to stand before God. As a husband, as a father, how I raise my children, I'm going to stand before God. How I live my life as a Christian, I'm going to stand before God. What music I listen to, I'm going to stand before God. You think your music don't have anything to do with you? Let me tell you, your music will set your mode for the day. It'll set your mode for the day. And I don't have time to go into all that. I hear it all the time. Well, I don't like that new rock music. Oh, no, you like that barn dancing uh, drinking, honky-tonk, cheating wives and cheating husband music. That'll bless your heart. <laughs> I had a family tell me about three weeks ago, we've been together 11 years, we've got four children. Preacher, we're thinking about, praying about getting married. I said, well, my goodness, don't you know that'll bless God? Paul is saying here that when God knows who I am, that it really doesn't matter if anybody else knows who I am or not. Because if God knows who I am, and if God knows my heart, all I got to do is please Him. That's all I got to do. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever said to yourself, I can't believe they didn't recognize me? I mean, I've been working up there at that church and ain't nobody said a word to me. They didn't tell me I was doing a good job. Nobody said nothing. I, I just feel like this church is using me. <laughs> get your eyes off the temporary and get your eyes on eternity. Because what we do now determines what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ. I, I, I'll just make you a promise. I'm losing my mind. I don't remember things like I did. But I will promise you this. You have never done anything for the glory of God that what God didn't count. Don't worry about it. He's got a better bookkeeping system than we've got. You've never done anything for the glory of God. I remember... <laughs> Brother Herman and I were in revival and they were trying to get a... It's a smaller church. They're trying to get a, 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 a van driver for the van. And preachers up here begging for somebody to drive the van. They got 14 kids to pick up. Nobody was sitting there. And Herman poked me. And I said, all right, I'll drive the van. I was a visiting music guy. And he said, you drive the van? I said, undoubtedly nobody else here is going to do it. I mean, look, <laughs> man. Are you, are you serving God because nobody else won't do it? Or are you serving God because, hey, I want to be pleasing to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Let me give you the last thing. I'm through. 
there's a genuine pers persuasion. I've got about five more things, but I'll quit right here. He said, knowing the terror of the Lord. Now, the old-fashioned preachers would tear this up. I mean, you bunch of red, you wretched people, you're going to hell. God's going to wipe you out because of the terror of the Lord. That's not what that scripture means. Nothing like that. This scripture means that knowing how powerful God is, I wake up every morning in the fear of the Lord. Because the Lord we serve, he has the ability to take your physical life, take your spiritual life. He has the ability to rain blessings on you or bring curses on you. Listen, I know the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And yet in our world today, who fears the Lord? People say, well, you know, I sin. I've been sinning for weeks and months and nothing's happened to me. Well, one of these days you're going to fear the Lord. If you could understand and fear the Lord, you'd carry gospel tracts in your pocket every time. You'd give them to the waiters. You'd give them to the cashiers. You, you, you would get your family members around you if you understood the terror of the Lord and you would beg them, serve God with me. You would get your family and your kids around and say, listen, guys, remember your creator. Does God know who you are this morning? Now, I know you know about God. You, you, you can't help but know about God. But I'm asking you this morning on a personal relationship, does God know you? Does he really know you? Or if on that judgment seat of Christ, you're not even going to make that one because you're going to get bombed at the white throne judgment. That's the one that's going to send all of those who've never trusted Christ to eternity in hell. But the judgment seat of Christ for Christians who said, I love God, I'm not going to faint. Do you really mean that? Father, we're grateful today that you give us one more time to get our hearts straight. I pray today, Lord, there'd be people that would come to this altar and they just not come for show or not come because they think it's a right thing to do. Oh, God, I pray you'd burden our hearts. And, Lord, that we would fear you, the terror of the Lord. And that, God, we'd look in the future, we'd look at eternity, and we'd want to do everything we can to please you. God, help us to be a church that desires to please you more than anything else in this world. Lord, I pray today again for those who are sitting here lost without Christ. God, don't let them stay. Don't let them sit. Lord, may the Holy Spirit of God be so strong that they cannot resist it. Lord, have mercy. We praise you and worship you and adore you and ask you to have your way in this service today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand together?